Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. Everywhere you turn these days, it seems like the world is growing more secular. It's seemingly inescapable, and at no time of the year is this more apparent than at Christmas. And we could list innumerable examples in recent weeks. You've heard me lament about the state of Christmas music in our world. I won't continue to beat that dead horse. But, you know, I talked about the Lions, but guess what? Sports is also co-opting. It's another secular invasion into the world, not just on Christmas Eve, but on Christmas Day. The NFL has to have like two or three games on this day. Of course, there's all of the consumerism, the rampant consumerism, just constant focus on shopping and getting and more and more and more. And even this, friends, my affection for Christmas movies is well established. And yet, even I have to admit that the vast majority of our Christmas movies have absolutely nothing to do with our Lord, whether you're talking about a Red Ryder BB gun and a Christmas story, or even, yes, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Believe it or not, not a lot of Jesus in there. You could go on and on down the line. Of course, this is nothing new. You know, 50, 60 years ago, Charlie Brown, talking about Christmas movies, Charlie Brown was lamenting this, that it had become a great commercial racket run by some Eastern syndicate turning upside down this sacred holiday, the invasion of the secular. It's nothing new. hundred years ago, there were op-eds written in the newspaper talking about how horrible things had become, especially the, the consumerism coming into the sacred holiday. And actually, going back to the roots of our country, the pilgrims, I was reading about this recently, the pilgrims in the 1600s, on Christmas Day, there was a man who was caught with a, well, a cricket, kind of the forerunner of baseball. He was caught with a, a cricket racket. They were playing cricket on Christmas Day. How nice. No, the pastor of the pilgrims came and forcibly grabbed it away from him and said, never again, these pagan intrusions on Christmas Day. <clears throat> so, maybe we won't be playing games outside today, Lewis. No. It's nothing new. But in fact, the problem of the secular goes much deeper than just shopping and sports on the holiday. It goes much, much deeper. And it's much older than just a, a few decades. In the classical world, they had a definition of secular that was a little bit different than the way that we tend to define it. We think of secular as kind of irreligious intrusions into a religious day. But for the classical world, the secular was this. They defined the secular as the transient flux of mortal existence. Hmm? The transient flux of mortal existence. Marion's shaking her head. Okay, help me out here, Pastor. They likened it to the encroaching darkness coming upon you. You want to know what secular really is? Well, listen to Annie Dillard, uh, great author Annie Dillard. She has an essay talking about the experience of a total eclipse. And let me just read from this essay for you, because this captures how, in the ancient world at least, they understood what the secular was like. There she is. She's on a mountainside, and the, the eclipse is beginning. And she says, from all the hills came screams. A piece of sky beside the crescent sun was detaching. It was a loosened circle of evening sky suddenly lighted from the back. It was an abrupt black body out of nowhere. It was a, a flat disk. It was almost over the sun. That is when there were screams. 
At once this disk of sky slid over the sun like a lid. The sky snapped over the sun like a lens cover. The hatch in the brain slammed. Abruptly, it was dark night on the land and in the sky. If you want to picture what the secular is like and that ancient understanding, it's that encroaching darkness of the eclipse. It's like the lid of a coffin suddenly snapping shut. This is the vision, appropriately, that Dante has of hell, this inferno. Because in hell, as Dante sees it, there are no stars, just utter blackness. As one writer put it, there's no light at the end of the tunnel. There's just a tunnel after the tunnel. That's secular. And that is seemingly inescapable. As one of our hymns plaintively sings, Where can hope be found? Makes you start to pine for Charlie Brown's aluminum Christmas tree, right? But speaking again of Christmas movies, I recently heard a survey that really took me aback. There's the church bells. I recently heard a survey that really took me aback about Christmas movies, but it wasn't in this country, it was in the UK. And in the UK, it was asked, what is the most popular movie to watch at Christmas time? And for you and me, we think about, you know, It's a Wonderful Life, or Home Alone, or Elf. But none of those were at the top of the list for our friends across the pond. The one that it was, I hadn't even heard of. You might say, well, Pastor, you're crazy. I hadn't even heard of it because It was a movie that seemingly had nothing whatsoever to do with Christmas. It was a World War II movie, and there was only a passing mention of the holiday at all. Perhaps some of you know the movie. The only thing that seemingly was appropriate about this movie for the holiday, and what made it the number one movie for Christmas in the UK, the only thing that made it appropriate to me was the title, The Great Escape. The Great Escape. Now, like I say, I haven't seen the movie, can't speak to it, but I will say the title is perfectly appropriate for Christmas. The Great Escape. That's what this day is all about. Whatever the intentions or history of that particular movie and its association, the UK at least, on Christmas Day, this is what Christmas is all about. Because the people who have wandered in darkness on whom that shadow of the secular has fallen, on them, on you, a light has dawned. God has come to spring us by sending his son into our flesh, into the deepest darkness. Not only the darkness of the stable on that first day, but in the darkness of drear and despairing death. Christ Jesus succumbed to that darkness. He allowed that lid to be closed over the tomb. But guess what? He is the light that no darkness has overcome. Amen? Christ Jesus is the light that no darkness has overcome, that no darkness can overcome. And he is the one who has come down in order to lead you and me into the greatest escape. Because we have one who has already gone through and come out on the other side, who knows the way. And guess what, friends? 
When you were baptized, Christ Jesus our Lord, he got his hooks into you, see? He got his hooks into you so that he could pull you through when you couldn't do it for yourself. Romans 6, 4 says that we have been united with him in a death like his, and so we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. And so you and I don't need to fear the transient flux of this mortal existence. You don't need to scream at the onrush of the darkness because you know that you belong to the light that no darkness can overcome or has overcome or ever will overcome. And each and every day, in the midst of this passing life, as people are, are caught up in just all of the, the, the muss and fuss of this mortal existence, every passing day as you turn to him in prayer, as you spend time in his word, as you show mercy to your neighbor, as you celebrate the feast, as we receive the Lord's Supper, each and every one of those moments, our Lord is giving a little tug on the tether of eternity, pulling you nearer and nearer to himself so that you do not succumb to that secular existence. But instead, you belong to the sacred. You belong to the Savior who stands on solid ground when everything else feels like quicksand, and who's able to pull you through. You know, sometimes we use this euphemism for death. We say that somebody passed away, and we think that that's better. I really don't think it is. Yeah, I die. So what? I go to be with Jesus. I shall yet be raised. But guess what? Properly speaking, you will not pass away. You will not pass away. All else might pass away like a garment. You will roll them up like a scroll, the scripture says. But you and I shall live forever because you belong to the Lord who is indomitable, incorruptible, imperishable, risen from the dead, the light that no darkness shall overcome. No, you will not pass away. You might pass on from this mortal existence into that eternal existence, but you shall not pass away eternally. No, the darkness shall not swallow you up forever because you belong to the Christ who lives forever and God has brought about the greatest escape through his son who has punched through that glass ceiling, who has broken open those stars forever, who has brought you into that light. So now the tunnel of this life leads forth into that bright light that is unending in his presence. That is what you have in Christ Jesus. Oh, where shall joy be found? Where but on heavenly ground? Death was reigning o'er us through sin and vanity till he opened for us a bright eternity. May we praise him there, may we praise him there. Amen. May the peace of God that surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.